Welcome to Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store Soho in New York. Please welcome our moderator from Men's Journal, Charles Thorpe. How's it going, guys? Um, this is a really exciting one. Um, I had the pleasure of seeing this thrilling movie already, so I uh, can say you guys can get ready for the hearts pounding. We're lucky we have a little daylight coming in here. This is going to help alleviate some of the scares. Um, but it's a lot of fun, and we have a lot of uh, filmmakers here, so it's, uh, it's going to be an exciting one. Um, we'll just show the trailer, I guess. mid-century modern home. This view is fantastic. The lighting is great. You like it? Yeah. Do you? This is good. <laughs> I'm very happy. Excuse me. Is your name Simon? Yes, sir. It is you. Hi. We went to school together. This is my wife, Robin. This is... I didn't get your name. Gordon Mosley. Uh, Gordo. Gordo? Oh, my God. I'm so sorry to recognize you. It's <laughs> been a very, very long time. Welcome home, smiley face Gordo. How do you think he got our address? That's an expensive bottle of wine. We should thank him. I believe that the bad things in life, they can be a gift. That guy's odd. He's a little socially awkward, but I can be like that. Gordo, hi. Hi. <laughs> After high school, and some people stay exactly the same. Thank you. He's delusional and thinks that we're friends. Thanks for a lovely dinner. Fish food. You don't find that a little troubling? I said that I wanted fish. And all the visits when you're alone. They used to call him Gordo the Weirdo. I think he's nice, and he's been very generous. What you're talking about is a one-sided friendship. You're essentially being forced into a breakup. There's no easy way to say this. Don't visit us anymore. It's not over. Simon, after all these years, I was willing to let bygones be bygones. What does that mean? I do not know. But it must mean something. Hello? Bygones be bygones after all these years. What the hell was that? <laughs> that was big. Is that the class? Gordo! What does bygones be bygones mean? It's over! Simon has a full file on him. You think he's been lying to you? Just tell me what happened. It's 25 years ago. I have no idea who you really are. Simon says... New house. Simon says, beautiful wife. Simon says, you think you're done with the past, but the past is not done with you. Okay, so from the film The Gift, we have the writer, director, and star Joel Egerton, and uh, the star Rebecca Hall. I'm my water. Hey, man. Thank you. <laughs> well, um, I think I don't speak alone when I say that was a very chilling uh, trailer right there. And uh, so you've written movies before. This is not your first uh, screenplay, but it's your first directing film. Uh, yeah, I've, I've written two other screenplays. I co-wrote co a screenplay uh, called The Square, which my brother made in 2008. I wrote a film called Felony, which mm. I produced la uh, last year. And this is my first yeah, writing directing effort. And what made the, the thriller genre the right one for your first, uh, first foray? Oh, look, I'm a real fan of thrillers. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm a real fan of Hitchcock, 
uh, movies and you know lately I've become a real obsessed with this filmmaker well not obsessed but I'm a real fan of Michael Haneke and mm -hmm. um, films like Cache and, and Funny Games which I found incredibly nihilistic and, and incredibly violent but definitely unsettling suspense thrillers I, I, I'm a big fan of them as an actor my taste is very kind of varied yeah but this is the particular thing I love uh, when it comes to writing for some reason. Act, like characters lying, deceiving each other. I don't yeah. know what it says about me, but. <laughs> so, I mean, were there any uh, horror films that you went back and studied when you were looking at this movie? And did you have Rebecca check out some films that you were thinking of as far as the, the aesthetic? Uh, I don't remember. Did we talk about references for movies? So, I mean. I think you mentioned that you liked Michael Haneke because I'm a huge. Michael Haneke fan. Mm. I think I remember having that conversation with you. Yeah. But I don't think you told me to go. And... Yeah. Hitchcock yeah. as well came up. Oh. Yeah, and I Classic. think I think that movie, uh, the movie Cache was really interesting uh, litmus test in a way. And and you know like as as I was getting closer to making the movie, and you know what you see in the trailer is a very particular kind of sell for the movie, but the movie mm. itself has. You know, I don't want to almost give anything away. But it's hard to talk about it because there's so much to give away. It I is feel hard like. to talk yeah. about, but it, but it's it's a thriller. But yet, it, it has a real social resonance to it. It's it's got a very suspenseful build to it. But to me, it's a smarter uh, movie, and it does make you f feel frightened. But it's that's one p part of the movie. You know, one of the things I was really interested in is is how you can unsettle an audience through real life characters that are not necessarily out to cause each other extreme mm. violence. Yeah. Um, Cache, I guess we keep, I keep bringing that movie up because in that movie, if, you, if you've seen it or if you care to see it, it really teaches you that what is very frightening is the thing that you don't see and the thing that you don't know. Right. Which is, I think, the anticipation of violence in the regular thriller is the thing that's actually making you unsettling is the moment before the character pops out yeah. from underneath the stairs absolutely because you don't know where they are and what they're doing absolutely you know yeah and i feel like rebecca i mean what were you thinking when you were first reading this script when it was first sent to him i mean were you shocked at some of the turns and the twists in the in the screenplay uh yes i was i suppose the setup of any uh smart thriller is that there will be twists and turns so mm. I, I don't know that i was you know i was but none of them i saw coming yeah. but i think principally the thing that really surprised me and interested me was the fact that uh, when I read it, the thing that leapt off the page was actually the fact that it's more of a domestic drama than it mm. is anything yeah. else. Um, it's, it's sort of pretending to be a thriller, but actually there's a whole, there's a very human story at the root of it. And I think that's, uh, that's what makes it work. Yeah. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, obviously, Jason Bateman can be here, but he's fantastic in the movie. And um, obviously, you know, can you speak at all talking about working with him and why uh, Jason was the perfect guy for the role? Oh, for, for me, yeah. I, you know, we needed a character in, in Simon, the character of Simon, to, uh, you know, that, look, it, the thing about most of the thrillers that this movie kind of pretends to be, in a way, is that the triangle thriller, the well-meaning couple, Rebecca and Jason, who move into a, you know, move back to where he grew up, and, and, the, and the weird guy comes to besiege them. And we, we're sort of subverting and changing those roles within this movie. 
one foot is definitely planted in the genre and the other one is trying to do something a little, little bit more interesting in our sense for a modern context of this kind of movie. Jason it has such a likeable quality and yet yeah. he's proved in his own movie Bad Words and other elements that he has the ability to make us, you know, we really like Jason, but he can also play the jerk, you know, right. and there's, he's got a <laughs> lot of well, darkness yeah. there as well. And uh, I also like it when comedians take a trip into a more dramatic territory and I think they prove time and time again that they can do a great job of that. So for all those reasons, he was kind of the perfect person to, to play the character. And, and he was really interested in doing something outside his usual thing, which yeah. is, you know, to do a drama, to do something a little bit more uh, darker as well. Yeah. And Rebecca, how is it working with him and, uh, you know, playing spouse to Jason Bateman? And, and uh, you can speak uh, openly, obviously, because he's not here. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I can, I can really on throw him under a bus. Okay, let's go for it. Uh, well, he's, yeah, he's everything that you sort of expect him to be. I mean, mm. he's, a, he's an infinitely charming human being and he's a very generous actor and he's a whippet smart and that's kind of, it's about as much as you can hope for, really. <laughs> uh, I don't know, it was, it was interesting because we were, I suppose, it's always odd when, you're f when you meet an actor and then you're immediately, hours later, kind of trying to imagine that you've been married to them for years. Right. And, uh, <laughs> but you know this one was we we had a luxury of having some rehearsal time and we spoke about oh nice um we spoke about the dynamics of the marriage and it's not uh it's not necessarily the most functional happy one which was kind of interesting to play and you know that's mm. there was there's a lot of things that i don't want to talk about because i'm going to reveal too much i know it's 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 such a problem um but yeah there are some unexpected laughs i think that jason really comes home with and sort of takes you out of that really dark place for a yeah. couple moments in there and there's a lot of great uh, sort of dinner parties, you know, situations oh, okay. and, and hangouts within the home. So uh. yeah, it's a bit hard to stop a guy that's that funny, being funny. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, uh, but you have the power as a director when you've filmed a lot of Jason to just like, like to really balance in the edit room how how funny <laughs> you let him be, and it, yeah. it actually kind of worked for us. You know, given that the film goes to some pretty dark places that. In the, in the front half of the movie to, to allow the film not to flag itself as being incredibly dark, but to just let normal life kind of happen, which yeah. means that sometimes he can be funny and you know, he definitely gives you lots of that. Yeah, yeah. well there's a, there's a dinner scene that we're gonna show right now that uh, sort of you know, shows the dynamic of everybody in the house. Um, yeah, I think if this is the clip I'm thinking about, it's early in the movie and it's the first time that my character uh, overstays his welcome and, and gets somewhat invited to dinner, I think, you know. It's great. Did you know that Simon was class president? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did, Mr. Uh, president. He, Please, he, he had a very organized campaign, Simon, Simon Says, like the children's game. Well, his campaign was based around the game, so Simon Says, and it would happen. So I'll make it happen. Simon says, uh, more time for sports. Simon says, more choice in the cafeteria. And it happens. You got it. <laughs> you got it right. So was it, you, do you have like a, a poster? Posters, and, uh, leaflets, buttons, buttons? parades. <laughs> Simon says, new job. Right? Simon says, beautiful wife oh, I... and a new home. 
Well, see, should have no problem starting family. Cause he'll see Simon says. Now, I got. I have one too many wives, and I just talk way too much. Don't no, no. no. What's been going on with you? Okay. What, what, what's, what's happened to you since high school? Everything good? Military. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's true. Well, mil military, straight out of school. Two tours. And then uh, I got out of there. And, and, you know, since then I've done a lot of things. But, I mean, you know, a lot has happened to me since, since we last saw each other. Some good, some bad, like life, you know, mostly good. But, you know, I believe that a lot of the good could come from the bad, you know. I hear you. If you put the right faith behind it, you know, no, not to bring religion into it, God, but well, just to say that the, the, the bad things, they can be a gift. That's cool. Um, so that, that clip show, sort of shows the character that you've developed for this as far as your own character. I think it's fascinating. I mean, you know, some of us have seen your work in Warrior and know you as a very imposing figure, but in this movie, you sort of, you're sort of a more intellectual, I mean, there's, there's more in, intellectually going on than there is uh, yeah. in, in the... Gordo as a character is, I, w I wanted to set out to write a character who was overbearing and uh, who wasn't really able to uh, discern social boundaries and social hints, hence why I've invited myself or overstayed my welcome to dinner. But also someone with a little bit of un unusual ideas who's also a little misunderstood and trapped in time. Um, you'll notice that Jason's character is very uncomfortable around dinner and you start to understand why. Right. But I think also in, in, in some respects early in the film, because he's faced with someone from his past, you know, and this was one of the big ideas for the movie for me was what if, you know, I'm t 22 years out of high school, you know, and a lot of the people, they become, they're very clear memories for me, but they're clear right. memories in their 16-year-old form or their 18-year-old form. Yeah. If one of those people tapped me on the shoulder today and were like, hey, remember me? Yeah. yeah I'd be sitting there in the silence afterwards thinking, who is that person? And right. God, I hope I was a nice person, you know? <laughs> yeah. Did you base it off of any sort of past in, you, in your own high school experience or? No, just generally the idea of that as a concept, you know, I think these days, you know, with social media and, uh, you know, we can get the virtual tap on the shoulder any minute of any day from right. our past. But the idea of that happening in like analog terms, you know, like yeah. the, the literal tap on the shoulder, uh, you know, because, you know, we're talking about social context, social resonance for the film. It's a thriller, but it does sort of throw up these questions of who are we in, in our lives? Who were we in school and how does that shape who we become? Right. And are we that same person or have we changed? And also, what are those roles that relate to, to the way we bully and, and, uh, and are cruel to each other with words or with actions? And not only that, but how does that manifest in subtle ways in the context of a, of a marriage, not just in terms of our past, you yeah. know? And those things there in that context are, in this film, coming back to haunt this character. And in terms of Rebecca's character, she's stuck in the middle of these two men and she's the eyes and ears of the, the audiences, the discovery of who's telling the truth and, and what is the truth um, in general comes, comes about. 
right? And Rebecca, we, we talked a little bit about working with Jason, but for a lot of this movie, you're very terrified by uh, what's going on with Gordo. <laughs> so, I mean, how was it working with Joel as he's directing you and then also slipping into this sort of devious character? You're not exactly sure where he's coming from, what his motives are. How is it working like that? Uh, it's very awkward to talk about it when he's right there. Uh, <laughs> we can talk more about Jason. What's up with Jason? <laughs> no, 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 no. Joel, Joel's got a... a um, is you ha There's a kind of remarkable confidence and ease that's totally self-effacing, which makes you feel very comfortable. So, and and if I think if any of those things weren't in place, the prospect of him wearing so many different hats simultaneously would have been... Uh, awful. <laughs> yeah. And but the fact that he can do that, it just it felt very uh, it felt very reliable and comfortable. I mean, I, d I do think that I I have a certain amount of faith in actors turned director, not just because I've worked with one before, but also because um, every director that goes out into the world and directs a movie for the first time, on the whole, has no experience of ever watching another director work, um, and an actor gets first-hand experience of how directors work for yeah. their whole career. So there's a, there's a whole element of actually having a, a training school that a lot of directors don't get. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, and I, so I, I instinctively trust it. Yeah, that brings up a good point. I mean, Joel, I mean, did you, you know, sort of take any tips or direction away from other people that you worked with in the past on it's sets? It's called plagiarism. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's yeah. true. I think it's, it's so true. You get to work, I get to work with all these great directors and... I think you learn from everybody in life by experience, by the way they set an example of their social conduct, the way they, they collaborate with people, the skill they have, the preparation they, they, uh, they take into their work. Any number of aspects to the technical craft, to their instinctive skill, to uh, their personability, mm. and you can cherry pick from all those things, good and bad, mm. um, and that is a real luxury. You know, and I've seen very close friends and my brother make a movie. I've right. seen, I've had the luxury of working with really interesting directors and, and it, it is the case that, you know, you can learn from those people and yeah. it's been uh, lucky for me. And I think now coming out the other end of it, I'm gonna go to work as an actor mm. on the next thing without any other responsibility, which right. I'm gonna love <laughs> and, uh, and I have, an extra little pinch of respect for every aspect of that production, which yeah. I'm very happy for. Yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of filmmakers out here and who listen to this podcast uh, when, it, when it's put in the podcast form. So was there one sort of, uh, you know, tip that you've taken from a set that was very, you know, uh, implemented in this filmmaking process or? Well, you get all the really interesting ones, which are like bring a spare pair of shoes and change shoes at lunchtime. <laughs> and then, they're actually really oh, helpful tips. I mean, they, they are. And it, and it really it gives you, your, your feet like a little holiday. Nice. Just after lunch. Um, <laughs> but the one thing I learned was, and it's ironic that I'm learning this now, because as an actor, I thought I knew a lot about actors. Mm. But, but at the time that I was sitting there just working with Jason and Rebecca, say, what I learned is just how incredibly good smart actors are at problem solving and, and how it would be a shame to impose your will on a situation, meaning a scene or a way of playing a scene or an actor's kind of uh, tracking of a character without hearing 
what an actor or two actors together have to say first. Because what if their idea is better? And if you stamp on that before they have an opportunity to have their voice, it's a real shame. Yeah. And then when their idea is better, you steal it. <laughs> <laughs> and you might get your own. That's great advice. It, it, it is actually, yeah. I, with all seriousness, I was just remarkable how often a solution that came from Rebecca or Jason or the two of them in discussion together was more exciting or, or, be, or a better or more efficient solution than what I had come to in my homework. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the film is called The Gift. And, yeah. you know, I'm just curious. I mean, there's a lot of things to be called. There's a lot of things that play in this movie. So how did The Gift become the title? Initially, I'd called the movie Weirdo, mm. uh, which pertains to the, the, the nickname that my character had Mispass, in yeah. high school. And, you know, the movie is a lot about the names we call each other and the things we say each other and about how those ideas can really bring us undone and how, how uh, words have effect. Seeds that are planted do take root and can cause a downfall. So it, it, that made sense to me at the time. The gift pertains to a lot of things, not just the series of gifts that, that grow ever unsettling for the, from me to the couple, but also those sort of ideas of the gift of, of forgiveness and the gift of friendship and, and, and other kind of uh, more, uh, you know, ideas-based sort of connotations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, speaking of the gift, I think we have another clip, so uh, we'll get into that. They're charming, yeah, right? Huh? And, and they'll probably have good dirty jokes every once in a while. What do we got? Uh oh, thanks for a lovely dinner. Return the mm. favor. Hope you don't mind. Smiley face. Fish food. <laughs> oh. Oh no. <laughs> Well, we have to thank him this time. <laughs> For what? Coming onto our property without asking? No. This is not troubling to you? I, I really don't think that he meant it to be troubling. He wouldn't see it like that. He just, he just thinks he's giving us some fish. You know, they used to call him weirdo in school. Gordo the weirdo. Yeah, so that's a that's another that's a series of gifts that keeps on living on their doorstep, sort of as the thing escalates. Yeah, Gordo, Gordo, my character is a very good listener, very attentive, and uh, <laughs> it seems that anything that, particularly anything that's of interest to Rebecca's character early on, right? Well, in this case, she mentions that um, they have an empty koi pond, and it would be nice for them to have some fish and Gordo's of the ask and thou shalt receive yeah. um, uh, mentality. And, and you know, the, 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 I was also very interested when I wrote the movie about social boundaries, about, you know, if, if I give you a gift, it's up to you to kind of say thank you. And if you don't, it's a little bit weird, you know, but they're little things. You know, if, if you're on my Christmas mailing list and then next year I don't get a Christmas card from you, then you're off my mailing list. Like, <laughs> but on a, on a macro level, like if, if you become my friend, 
that's an organic process. Mm. Now, if, if, if I visit you more often than you're inviting me, or if I'm giving you a lot of things and you're not giving them back, the, the imbalance of a friendship can often become very unsettling. Now, as lovers or in a, within a marriage, we break up with each other. We need, we need to use words uh, or at least an email uh, to break up with each other. <laughs> like, uh, when do we do that as friends? Yeah. You know, we hope that the, the friendship just sails away if it doesn't serve us. So what if you actually had to break up with a person who thought they were better friends with you than you are with them. Absolutely. And also the kind of the cross-pollination of that, the thing of what if someone wants to be friends with you and you don't necessarily want to be friends with them, right. it's trying to make friends with you. What do you, how is the polite way to we, like, get yourself out of that? Especially if you live in the same town as somebody, yeah. you're gonna run into them often, especially uh, yeah. you know, New York or Hollywood, they're both very small towns, you know, when you're trying to get rid of a friendship like that. Yeah, you've got to draw some lines in the sand. And, yeah. and in, in, in the context of our film, that becomes a darker prospect, given that the reason Gordo wants to befriend the couple is because there's a, a reconnection after 20 years and there may be something more underneath it, you know, whether or not the friendship can correct the old wounds. And mm -hmm. if, if there's not a genuine show of friendship in return, then maybe something else is gonna happen. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a, a couple dinner parties. There's another dinner party that goes pretty wrong, <laughs> you know, in, the, in this movie as, as per usual when, you know, talking about a thriller. So how is it sort of, you know, writing that scene, was that the conversations happening organically? Was that all scripted? It seems like you guys have like a really good rapport. You and your couple friends, Jason and uh, Rebecca's Oh, the, in, when the couples oh, yeah. dissect the friendship. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot yeah. of that was... I don't know if you find this, but I, I mean, you know, it's amazing how a group of friends can get together and solve the problems of the world, you right. know? <laughs> and we, we definitely have a scene in the movie where the, the, the neighborhood friends and the work colleagues all sort of dissect the nature of friendship and, and yeah. talk about a possible solution right. of a, you know, a conversation or a breakup. And, um, you, know, uh, you know, we're constantly drawing the lines of this film into a domestic place, trying to, you know, scare an audience in the thriller aspect of the movie and yet make us feel like this could happen to us. We, right. all, we all went to school, we all played a certain role, we all remember those kind of characters at school. Um, but also, make it domestic in terms of the relatability of where these characters live and, and, and what they do for a living rather than make it about a place far, far away or, or an alien descending from another planet or a ghost living in your basement. To, to bring that fear or that unsettling feeling out of our own domestic lives. Right. And there's an, another scene where sort of the, the, the scares start happening, I guess, technically. And uh, I mean, how is it working in those, in those, uh, in you know, shooting those scenes, Rebecca? Are they actually terrifying when you're filming them? You know, when are there when there's glass breaking, things like that? Things are happening around the house. No, they're not. They're not. <laughs> they're sort of exciting. I mean, they probably should be more terrifying. I think I've got a kind of blind trust about everything that happens on a movie set because it's a movie set, and therefore mm. I'm protected. You know, which is actually probably often wrong. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, the glass is going to break. <laughs> You're excited about it. Blow the glass. Yeah, I should put some shoes on. <laughs> no, it's movies. But yeah, no, yeah. it's, it's exciting. You, you, you have to act that stuff because everyone, you know, there's more people on set than it looks and yeah. someone's 
telling jokes in between and of course you have to act that stuff but I do think there's, there is something intrinsic, intrinsically quite interesting about playing fear because mm. your, your body doesn't really know any difference so your adrenaline function is quite it does get a little bit yeah kooky I find is there anything that you like pull from or you know when you're trying to act terrified um I just look at Joel. <laughs> <laughs> With that haircut? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, just so scary. I don't think it's one of the underrated uh, things. You know, there's 100%. a lot of people out there in horror movies that, that are kind of going through the ringer from sometimes from at least like 30 minutes into the movie until the very end where they're running yeah. and screaming and sweating you and bleeding. You do that and all day long. It might be 30 seconds yeah, in the movie, but yeah. you're doing that all day long. And I think there's a lot of unsung heroes of those movies who, who don't get the kind of acting credit chops, that the acting chops credit that they, they deserve. Yeah. But I mean, but there wasn't a lot of that in this, I yeah. mean, to be fair. I mean, there, there really wasn't. And, and most of it was thinking about the psychology of it, which was you know, equally challenging, but perhaps more subtle in terms of how I was choosing to play it. Cause yeah. it was about someone realizing that things that she thought were her safety and comfort are gradually not, and realizing that she doesn't know herself that well. So there was quite a, a, lot, a big human journey to go on in this. And I didn't have to do an awful lot of screaming and running. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting how your own mind, like the watcher's own mind is their worst enemy in this film. You know, that's kind of the great thing about the film is it's sort of underlying tone. Um, and then you discover that you're completely wrong in all of your hypotheses. Yeah, and that was always a trick is that the, the movies that we kind of, that our movie reflects of Fatal Attraction and Cape Fear and there's, you know, again, the triangle thrillers, you know, we want to wrong foot the audience because that's the job within that context of that thriller uh, genre is to make sure that nothing is really what it seems and yet make sure that it's tethered to character and, and story in a way that feels uh, real and not cheap. Um, so that the characters are always questioning things. We're always watching uh, Rebecca's character question her, her uh, alliance and <coughs> allegiance with her own instincts regarding these, these two men, her safety within the marriage as well as the safety within the confines of her own home. Um, and that was the trick, is making sure yeah. that we don't walk down some old path with the movie, keep everybody guessing. Yeah. Uh, well, we have another clip here, I think, that sort of uh, displays that a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that's an urgent work thing. I'm gonna have to step out for a couple of minutes, but it's not gonna take me long. I'm gonna literally be less than five minutes, less than that. Can you just, just relax, have a drink. I, I, I'll be back as soon as I can. Sorry. Gordo? Did he just leave us here? Yeah, yeah. I think he did. Is this car? He's leaving us alone in his house. He doesn't even know us. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe it's an emergency. <laughs> well, he did say it was an urgent work thing. What, what, what is it that he even does? This is, this is bizarre. Would we ever do this? Well, no, but technically I would, I would be at home to look after guests. If you had to go somewhere, he hasn't got anyone. Honey, don't a wife defend or, him. Or whatever. I'll tell you why he doesn't have a wife. He, he'd like to be married to you. He'd like you to be his wife. Oh, God, Simon. Yeah. Come on, honey, this guy likes you so much. Tell me you don't see it. Come I on. really don't think that is the reason why. Come on, honey. 
Why all the drop-ins and the stop-bys only when you're home alone? Look at this thing. Good Lord. I think you're slightly exaggerating. I think he's obsessed with you, honey. It's a, it's a fun one. Yeah, it's a lot of great, it's a lot of great scenes like that, and uh, it's, it's, it's got a great uh, couple different sides to it. And so how's it like filming Jason doing that sort of thing? I mean, we talked about it a little bit before, but... Uh, you know, you give him the dialogue, he takes it, and then he does it, and then every now and then he'll throw in little things. You know, like all, you know, all of us, uh, staying on the kind of right track, and then occasionally, you know, his, I don't know, there's something, uh, there's, a, there's a sort of a frequency that Jason operates at that the most mundane thing coming out of his mouth, as said by, you know, a hundred thousand other people that would not be funny at all, just somehow makes you laugh. And it's on set in front of the camera <laughs> and off uh, in between takes as well. He brings a really great level of humour. And as I said, like in the edit room, it was up to us to determine how much of that we included in the film or took away. And it, it gave us actually a really nice balance to be able to kind of tune how much we like and trust his character in the beginning because laughter is always equates with likability and um, you know it gives you great access to a character so you know we sort of included a certain amount and when we felt like it tipped too much in a comedy land we could sort of dial it back. It's awesome and you know just to follow up on that real quickly I mean I feel like we talked about it a little bit before but there's a point where he gets a little aggressive with your character and you guys have to sort of duke it out you know not to give anything away but how is it sort of you never expect him to be the intimidating guy, but he, he has it in him when he needs to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> the great thing. Jason's got a lot of uh, angles to him that you might not have seen in other movies. Uh, we, you know, we have a kind of a scene where we get a little bit physical. He, he was worried. He thought it was, he, he, for some reason, thought it was, he wasn't going to be able to <laughs> believably pull that stuff off. But it was, it was really great, you know, yeah. like it, it really reminiscent of of schoolyard bullying and, and absolutely you know like a high school cruelty about him which he really kind of embraced that's great yeah um well now we're gonna throw it to you guys for some questions if you have them how's it going guys Good, um man. i'm a huge fan of both you guys so I, if it's okay i have a question for uh, both of you and i'll uh, i'll butter you up uh, both while i segue into them joel we mentioned uh warrior earlier one of my favorite sports movies ever uh, and you're, you know, as you said, heroic and, you know, a, a good guy in it, to simplify it. Um, but over the past few films, it seems like you've played uh, villains and more cowardly characters. And you actually wrote this one. So, you know, I want to know at what point in the writing process did you start picturing yourself in the role of Gordo? Um, did you ever see yourself in, in maybe in the, in the Bateman role? Because I know you could play both. Um, and that's my question for you. And then, Rebecca... Um, you're one of my favorite actresses in the world. I was literally, I was angry when you didn't get nominated for The Town. Um, and you just, you'd have this quality about you where we just instantly, within 10 minutes of a movie, we care what happens to you, which is perfect for a movie like this where obviously shit happens to you. Um, and be uh, mad the other way. And so you, you've worked with, you know, mainly unknown directors, Christopher Nolan, Ron Howard, <laughs> uh, Batman Affleck. And I would love to know, you know, from your perspective, working with all those great directors, I'm kidding, and now working with Joel, what does he have in common with them? If there's any characteristics that Joel has <laughs> as a director that you can compare it with some of the, uh, the other great people you've worked with. All right, I'll let you both answer. Thanks a lot. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Goodness. Do you want me to go out. first? You go first. Okay. You have the first thank question. Thank you, first of all, thank you. Uh, I wrote, I wrote the film because I was, you know, as a writer, I'm always interested in creating jobs for myself <laughs> because <laughs> no one used to give them to me, right? And, and, and to be honest, at the time that I wrote this, it was at a time where I still wasn't really sure. I was sort of waiting around 
like waiting as in waiting in water, wondering what was gonna happen next and whether, whether things would move in a, in a tasteful direction with my career or whether I'd be, you know, wondering about, you know, hoping to do interesting things. So I thought it'd be really interesting to play a character that was very overbearing, um, awkward, socially awkward and yet misunderstood. And so, I, you know, the idea coupled with me playing this character, that was the intention for here, this film. I didn't intend to direct the movie. It was not until I'd finished writing a screenplay that I thought, oh, this could be a good first project for me. At some point I had toyed with playing the other character only in order to get the movie financed, but then I was, I was determined to stick with my instinct and play the other character. Ready? Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, good question. I think, now, it, it, the honest answer sounds, a, sounds somehow off, but let me explain it. I honestly think the thing that, that a great director shares with all the great directors that I've worked with, and I do count Joel as one in the making alongside all of those guys, actually, I really do, and he has this, is the ability to uh, collaborate. Now, it sounds like that's a sort of like backhanded compliment or something to myself. I don't mean it like that. I just mean in the sense of someone who has the good sense to know that everyone is in this together, so best idea wins, and then from those ideas, have the good taste to pick the right one. Like, that's what sets them about. The, the, the egomaniacs that think they have all the answers never make the best films. And, you know, the great ones work with everybody else brilliantly. Well, um, uh, let me uh, change the tone. So have you ever had anybody, have either of you ever had anybody appear from your past? I don't mean like some fan, but I mean like somebody that you knew appear from your past that was either awkward or uh, pleasant. And have you ever looked up or sought out anybody from your past that you were intrigued about and or now that you've done this movie now think about contacting or connecting with you know and I don't mean just because of Facebook <laughs> uh, I five, five days ago got a, a, a message on Instagram I think it was either Instagram or Twitter I'm not prolific on either but I do have both uh, things, what would you call them? Accounts. Accounts, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know why yeah. I know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> social media social accounts. Media accounts. Yeah. So uh, someone that I, I met on a, a member of a family that helped me when I had a big, I had a big uh, neck injury in Thailand on a beach uh, on uh, when Y2K was supposed to happen, 99 to 2000, when all the planes were supposed to fall out of the sky and they didn't. I was really drunk because um, I was certain the world was going to end. And then I, was, I used to be a bit of an acrobat and I ended up injuring myself really badly on the beach about two o'clock in the morning. And his family had helped me, a Thai family. And, uh, and one of the uh, members of that family found me on Instagram the other day. Is this really you? And so we've reconnected because of that. Wow. So that's a good story. I've never had the kind of terrifying tap on the shoulder <laughs> yet <laughs> yet oh, there's plenty of them coming no i don't i don't i don't i'm trying to think if there's anyone that i'd really like to no no there's not. <laughs> well do you have any social media no. or rebecca so am i on social media yeah. No, Usually not really. that's the way they do it. I know. So, yeah. I'm, I might be a dodo. I really, I really <laughs> am not. I mean, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> it's 
So well, that's a question, you know, was that in that movie Birdman, uh, Emma Stone's character says that you're not relevant if you're yeah. not on social yeah, media. Yeah, I don't <laughs> exist, yeah. actually. You, you don't. Yeah, apparently, I don't, I don't exist. I, I, don't I have a lot of respect for people when they're sort of, mm. you know, old school about things. I believe in the proper tap in the shoulder and the, and the face-to-face conversation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I have a lot of respect for it. I suppose I just find it tricky to imagine a, like having having all those accounts and then being told by the people that I work for now you have to tweet things about the things that you're in right. yeah. which you know like because surely I have the freedom to but if I had it then I, you know. <laughs> start, start, start tweeting make things a lot easier yeah um, like it I wanted to know how difficult was it for you to direct yourself this is uh, your first project, so I'm, I'm working on my first short film now, and I'm like, I find it extremely difficult. I was an incredible actor to work with. <laughs> of course. And an even better director. Um, I loved working with myself as a director. Uh, uh, I mean, look, it was tough, actually. You know, uh, I did wrestle with the idea of whether I would play the character as well, given that my initial uh, impetus to make the story was that I would play Gordo and let someone else direct. When I finally decided to direct a movie, I, I, I guess part of my ego wouldn't let go of, you know, the idea of playing the character. Also, I had a very clear idea of how he should be played and it was hard for me to relinquish that. Um, as I stepped closer to getting the movie made, I did have a list of actors that I was like, should I just go and try and hit up one of these people? And um, I didn't in the end. Day one of playing the character, I, I let these guys sort of work for 10 days or 12 days before I even got in front of the camera just so I could try out this new experience of directing without it being convoluted, um, which was a good way of setting the schedule. But when I finally had to do it, I was terrified and I felt like I'd made a mistake because at first I didn't feel like... I could work out how to be inside of the whole thing with, with any kind of instinct that I usually approach work as an actor, while also then clicking into this, okay, and now, how, you know, where's the camera going next and all that stuff. It was a I good thing that we liked him as a director, because if he'd showed up on that day, otherwise it would have been like, okay, now, show us what you got. Yeah. <laughs> Who else is on the list, exactly? So it wasn't easy to start with. I found my way and I'm very happy that I did it. Uh, in fact, you know, I'm very happy that I did both things, but maybe next time, I think, unless I had a really l much longer schedule, I think I'd like to see what it's like just to s direct a movie and then I could have my day job, you know, on another project. Not to say that other people haven't successfully done it and, and someone with a different configuration of left brain, right brain may, may be excellent at it. I think, ben, I think Ben Affleck is doing a great job of, I don't know how he plays main characters in his movies and directs them, but... The result has been marvellous so far. Clint Eastwood's done such a great job of it. So I wouldn't say don't do it, but I'd definitely say uh, if you think about making a movie, do it. The sooner you get started, the better, and set a date and get cracking, because it's exciting. Yeah, very cool. Uh, hi, so my question is more on the commercial um, side. So um, who did you pitch the, the film the first time to? And, uh, when did you know this is going to happen? Uh, I pitched the film. I mean, it was a sort of an interesting process. I wrote the film. I got a producing partner. Nobody owned the material but me and my producing partner. We were working together. 
and we, we sent it out to people and we got a few nibbles, but I never felt like anybody was confident with the script and the material to say, I trust you. A lot of it was about trust as a filmmaker, you know, and I think people were like, you know, felt like they trusted me as an actor, but, but handing me the reins to direct a movie, I think there's actors and uh, there's a general reticence because, you know, Rebecca's a rare example of someone who finds it exciting to trust an actor who's about to direct a movie. There are a lot of people who won't trust that experience. Um, Jason Blum came on board and then STX came on board as a partner. Jason was very confident reading the script. He's someone who knows exactly what he wants and he, he's very true to his word. The film wasn't his usual uh, blood splatter horror movie, but he found something within it somewhere between Whiplash and Insidious that he thought was intriguing. And, and he very straight up said to me, I will let you make the movie that you want to make. I won't get in your way. I'll just provide the opportunity for you to do it. And he never wavered from that. Um, so I didn't have a ton of partners leading up to it and, and Blumhouse wasn't the first company that I thought of but my producer was uh, running point on all that stuff while I was still working away on the script so thankfully she had an open mind to that because I now really love Jason Blum. I think that he's one of the most honest uh, uh, filmmaker producers that I've ever worked with. He never lied to me, he never deceived me in any way, I never felt like there were any... And, you know, unfortunately, producers sometimes get a bad rap because they're, they're entrepreneurs. So they've got to kind of, you know, rob Peter to pay Paul sometimes, and that can be perceived as dishonesty. Jason was very straight up. And, and you'll see a lot of great things out of the company STX, the new studio who came to finance the movie, who are, again, wonderful partners. I, I can't believe I had such a smooth road shooting and making this movie. Great. Well, Bloomhouse is doing some great stuff, so I'm sure they're in good, you guys are in good with hands with them. Yeah. And uh, the movie's called The Gift. And where can people see it? And when will... Uh... Uh, August 7, we are on... We're going, like, wide release uh, at cinemas near you. And you, and you, and you. I don't know. That's <laughs> nice. what they say, isn't it? It's out of nice. cinema near you. Well, tweet about it. It's uh, Gift Film, at Gift Film on Twitter. So at shout gift, it out. Gift Film or at Gift Movie? Gift movie. Gift yeah, movie. tweet, okay. Instagram, invent a social media platform and then exactly. talk about it on that even. Give the gift, something like that. Yeah. Hashtag give the gift. Here we go. Thanks so much, Joel Egerton, Rebecca Hall. So fantastic. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Bella. Thank you.